It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, November 9th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that thinks the Cooperalls might be magic. Yeah, they could be. All right, we're going to get into that game against St. Louis coming up next. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where we post about the latest episodes, Flyers news, all that good stuff. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail. In addition to talking about the game last night versus St. Louis, we're going to get into your mailbag questions, some real good ones on today's show. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. A big surprise in net, Russ, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Last minute, it seems like Carter Hart was sick. Seems to be going around, I got to say, based yeah. on people I know. So it's not really a surprise. But uh, we got the debut of the non-back-to-back Felix Sandstrom, and he won this one. I think playing pretty darn good. And I think he was tested, but not too much right i mean did what he had to do you know sometimes those games where you don't have to think about it and you just get thrown in there are the best and and this worked out well for him i'm really happy for him that he got his first win he you know he's he's worked hard enough he's deserved that he really did and i think they did a little bit better than usual playing in front of him i would say you know there was still a little bit of loosey-goosey going on defensively. But for the most part, I think this was a, a successful game against a team that is in trouble. Oh, yeah, they're in turmoil. They, you know, it's it's nothing you can put your finger on. I, like I had said, they're, when when that third pairing's out there, Bortuzzo, you could see they're easy to take advantage of. But listen, you have to still, you know, go through the game and, and play your game. And the Flyers played their game. And, uh, you know, that scoreless... The first period was kind of a weird one. Um, I didn't know how I felt about the game at that point, but that second period, the Flyers just destroyed them. I mean, they just did, took the heart away. Yeah, it was really interesting because if you look at the underlying numbers, everything said that St. Louis had a, a a better second period than the Flyers did. You know, and the Flyers kind of dominated the first period, but. Uh, I think that it was just really good, solid passing work Uh that got them those goals. And it was really good to see. And it was good to see them do it not just once or twice in the game, but they did it four times, I would say, during the game. That last goal was a little bit of a Last goal was a gift. We have to be fair about that. Yeah, but I think the four other goals were really solid, carefully thought out plays with really good vision and i think that was really important to see from the flyers yeah i mean the way dallison you know goal was was 
tremendous work on his part. Konechny helped, got that second goal. That was really good. I, I agree on all that. I, I hope this game gets Allison more playing time because, you know, he's this is you should be riding a wave with him right now. He's playing good hockey. And, you know, this is maybe a game where I, I don't think Tortorella can find much fault. But then when they were up a few goals in the second, he still wasn't happy. Like you could see there were some issues there. So I, I never know for sure, honestly. I think that the guys he has been challenging the most recently really stepped up in this mm -hmm. one. I don't think any of them made like huge strides, but like Allison played a, a really good game. I thought Sandheim had a pretty solid game. Um, he had great vision to get it for to Kate's for that goal with a couple seconds yeah. left in the period. Well, that, that was a killer. Like that was a great goal for the Flyers, but it's just an absolute killer. Um, and that's one where I kind of look at Grice too and say, were you really locked in on that? But, you know, the Flyers did what they had to do on that. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, Tony D'Angelo played a little bit better in, in this one. And I thought that they did an overall good job protecting that lead with being really conservative, mm -hmm. uh, really strong defensively. They weren't trying to overdo it in terms of pushing for shots, but they were definitely working to get out of the zone. So I just feel really positive. Again, you know, you just sort of have to think the Blues are a mess. But at the same time, the Flyers had some really successful play in this one, and I'm very happy. Yeah. Um, I thought Ristolainen had a really good game. He was a plus two. I saw him blocking shots. Getting a little nervous about him blocking shots with his knee, though, in case that was the injury. But he seemed okay. And I, I think the criticism from the fans and the coach should, should like stop a little while for him because uh, it was a pretty solid game from him as well. I mean, it, look, they didn't do much wrong, but yeah, if I were Craig Berube, I, I would keep checking my phone every couple of days because he got that vote of confidence. I don't think it's going to last long. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. But uh, one of the other things that I thought was interesting about this game was that it was kind of a role reversal for the yeah. blues looking a lot like the flyers used to where they instigated a couple of fights early mm -hmm. and to, for Braden Shen to do that when he's like one of the few guys that was doing anything was decently offensively. Yeah. To take himself off the ice early, I thought was yeah. a big mistake on their part. And it was just picking a fight unnecessarily. See, and that's where I had said I felt like Barube was going to have them all fired up for something like that, and it backfired on them. It really did backfire on them. I felt like they may have had too much emotion when all that went on, and there's always a danger in that. There is, and you know, after all of that, there was almost no penalties in the game right. at all. It was a pretty clean game because they saw it didn't work, and so the Flyers just – tried to play a more disciplined game throughout again to mm -hmm. hold their lead that's what you have to do when you have a lead yeah. like that is play disciplined hockey and don't take stupid penalties and lo and behold that is what the flyers did that worked out yeah that that part worked out really really well and that's a good test for them no matter who you play like that's that's an important thing to be able to play that way I think so, too. Uh, I also want to make sure we give uh, Lucas Sedlak some kudos here mm -hmm. as well. Another solid game. Glad to see him get on the board for the Flyers. And especially because it was 
right after the Ryan O'Reilly goal, where you're like, oh, God, what's good? Right. It was a good answer back. Yeah, it was a really good answer back. And it felt like there was some good teamwork happening to to really rally back from from that and say, we're not going to let the Blues back into this one. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And, and that was a nice, nice shot. Left the stick kind of quick. Really was good. And like you said, because you figure with the O'Reilly goal, maybe they had a thought for a second that they could get back. It was probably like seven minutes in the game or something. And the Flyers took that away pretty quick. Oh, they were completely deflated. You could just yeah. see it in their faces and how they yeah. were slowly skating back to the bench after that goal. So, you know, I think that overall, very good effort from the Flyers. And I hope they can carry this through up against another bad team in Columbus coming up next. I mean, you would think they could. I would hope so. Well, we will be talking about that game tomorrow, but we will be answering your mailbag questions coming up next. Today's episode is sponsored by Athletic Greens. I started using Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system, and hated taking pills and vitamins. I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, and focus. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens can taste less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available wherever you get your podcast. plus it's over on YouTube. Russ, we're back with a, another fabulous mailbag of our listener slash viewer questions. Uh, C-Mac is back with a Wade Allison question. In Monday's pressers, Wade told Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic about wanting to be an offensive player for the Flyers. Uh, he feels that's what he is and, and what he can be. Tortorella said, I don't want him playing or looking to make plays east-west. I want him to go north-south or he's going to sit. And C-Mac really wants to know there could be a conflict here because some of the stuff that Wade is good at is finding plays and going east-west uh, when he's already in the zone. So how do we reconcile that? I mean, there is no conflict. If Wade doesn't do it, he's not going to play. He's going to get like seven minutes a game or nothing. I mean, I hate to say it that way because I agree with C-Mac, but there is no middle ground here. There never is. 
And so if Wade Allison doesn't do it, Torts will find somebody else that does it. And that means Wade Allison will get, you know, neutralized to some degree as far as what he might be able to do on the ice. See, when you have a coach that, you know, wants that defense first, he wants the offense, but he wants you to play his way. And so if you play his way and the offense is less than what's expected, he'll take it. If you don't play his way and he sees that you can give offense and even if he needs it, but you're not playing his way, he won't care. He just won't play it. He'll just say, I'll get goals somewhere else. Yeah, I think what Wade needs to do is try and follow what Torres wants him to do as part mm -hmm. of the zone entry and then start to get creative and use those skills once he's in the zone. He's also been using his physicality, I think, at exactly the right level in the offensive zone in terms of trying to retrieve the puck and, and doing all those things. So I think he is doing a lot right right now, but if he can just do like 80% of what Torts wants and 20% of his own creativity, I think he should be in a good position. I agree. All right. Susan is also back. She has great, just general hockey questions to try and clarify things. And for me, you can always learn, like, I don't care how long, You've been watching this sport, so it's always good to get these kinds of questions. She wants to know if there's a difference between a giveaway, a takeaway, a turnover, and an intercepted pass. Well, I mean, a giveaway is essentially a turnover. I mean, it's an unforced error. It's something where, you know, you do that no-look pass and you give it to the other team, or you got the puck on your stick and you lose it for a second. The other team takes it. Intercept is just like in football. You, you pass it. The other guy gets it. He takes the puck. He goes the other way. He's got to, he's got to break. I think that's really it. Yeah, I think, okay. you know, giveaways and takeaways, I think is what they call it in the stats formally, yes. but colloquially you can call something a turnover. That is a giveaway in the stats. I think yeah. that's where the difference is here. Right. So an intercepted pass would be a takeaway in the stats right right as as it is reported so hopefully that clarifies things for you a little bit susan there in our youtube comments there's been a really great discussion on artem anisimov maybe getting a contract and who gets sent to lehigh valley in his place uh and to make room for the contract is it Morgan Frost who they put on waivers or trade if this happens? Well, I think they're probably trying to trade him. I think behind the scenes, that's what they're trying to do. I think that may even be why Chuck Fletcher was in Lehigh deciding maybe who he would also include in a trade to make some other bigger kind of trade. Uh, I think Patrick Brown would be the first one that, that gets sent down. I think he's, he's the first one to go. Uh, Cause that, if they could send him down and someone claims him, then you've got your contract problem is solved, right? So then, then you, then you just wouldn't have they have to, to put him back in active though? He'll have to be. He'll have to be inactive, and then they and then mm -hmm. they waive him, and then you hope another team takes him. Yeah, honestly, that is what I would wish for in this situation because his position is already crowded right now. And there's other options that right. the team is using. Obviously, Sedlak is taking over some of those roles. You see Tanner Lazinski sometimes. And I just don't see where Brown is much better or no. better at all than either of those two options right now. And, and again, with all that crowdedness in the bottom six uh, with who's in and who's out, I, I think that is the correct thing to do. We just need to get Patrick Brown off IR in order to do it. And well, make I think sure he's getting closer. Works. Right. I think 
they're going to look for that timing. That's why Anisimov has not come off that PTO yet. Yeah, that could be. That could be. That's a, a really good theory there. Uh, I don't, you know, wish this on anybody, but, you know, Kiefer Bellows is another option to just put back on waivers. Yeah, I'd hate to do that. I, I don't think that's... I know. I, I know. I, I don't want to do that. Me personally, if I'm GM. Right. All right, here's another interesting question. How do you balance out praising what Torts has done to get them to win more than maybe you thought they would, while at the same time acknowledge some of his issues with player development right now? Uh, he was asked about it at the presser yesterday, and he said it was a good question, but then didn't really answer it. Yeah, I saw that he, you know, he probably, you know, when he tapped Lawton on the shoulder or whatever, said something nice to him. That's great. Um, he still says 10 games in, he doesn't know everybody wants to get him to know better, get wants to get to know them better. Like, I don't know how you get to know them better. If you don't know them after 10 games and a full camp, that to me is semantics. So I don't know why he says that continuously. Uh, in the end, he is going to do some of that, but you heard him say he doesn't do a lot of it. He just doesn't. And he's not lying about it and he's not being coy about it. He's just like, yeah, you know, when it calls for it, I do it. It's kind of like um, when Paul Hollywood shakes your hand. You swear there's <laughs> at least four or five times each episode that he should shake the hands of the other bakers. But that guy just doesn't do it. It's just it, it, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're almost yelling at the TV and then he finally begrudgingly does it. I think it's the same thing. Interesting. Yeah, now I'm having flashbacks to that horrible Mexican food episode they did. <laughs> that was off. bad. That was, was really bad. It was really, really bad. But yeah, in terms of, you know, talking about how Torts approaches this, I think you give credit where credit's due in terms of what he's been able to accomplish in terms mm -hmm. of effort. I think there's no question that this team has a lot more effort and a lot more you know, dedication to playing good hockey with and without the puck and doing the little things right. Uh, but Torts is also calling people out. And I think maybe some of these guys are, aren't as used to it yet. But at the same time, I think it's helpful. We talked on yesterday's show, I believe, about the practice session with some of the younger kids to work yes. on the little things. And I think that is a really good sign that that took place and so there is a care to player development here right now that maybe we're not seeing the full picture of just because he's taking some guys in and out of the lineup like Zamula for instance who wasn't in the lineup tonight right I think that's that's fair the the thing at the end of the year how I'm going to grade um Tortorella is I really don't care if they give more effort this year than last year I don't care if they have six, seven more wins, 10 more wins, because it's still not going to mean anything. If he makes the playoffs miraculously, then you're sure all plaudits to him. But in the end, to get guys to play his way, I want to look at what the roster could have been skill-wise and what it turned out to be, and then kind of figure out where they are. Because it's possible he's going to weed out some high-skill guys for these tougher to harder to play against guys. But the problem is you can't load your team up with them. And that's my worry. Yeah, I definitely think this is a wait and see in terms of the long-term effect. But for now, I think that it's uh, cautiousness, I think yes. is the watchword on this front. Uh, speaking of one of those young kids, uh, 
Steve wants to know, what would you have Noah Cates concentrate on to get his scoring going? Honestly, I would still play him at center. I think he was comfortable at center. I think once he started to get moved, I think he started to think about things more. Like we know that he rather play wing last year, but this year he sort of had the center mentality. And I think they should have just left him alone, quite honestly. And because when you have a player that's with a new coach like this, who was killing it for a little while, and then you switch him, there is always that worry that, hey, what he had there is going to take a while for him to get back, that comfortability. And I don't, I don't see the same comfortability in him. Uh, and that's not a word, but whatever, I'm making it a word if it's not. <laughs> But you know you are what? entitled. Thanks. But you don't see that, right? I mean, first four or five games of the year, I saw a different Cates. He was definitely more cemented in what his role was. And now I feel like he's a little adrift. I can see that. I think that the times I've noticed him the most is when he makes really good defensive plays and, and helps clear the puck from the zone. And that when they're on the attack, I don't know if it's his line mates, that's the issue or it just isn't suited to him and he should be back at center. I think the jury is still out for me on that question, but I do think he's been focusing so much on his defensive game that it's been at the cost of some of the offense skill yep, that he has. Okay. We're going to be back with more mailbag questions coming up next. Uh, next question. Do you think that Ristolainen's troubles are related to his injury and he came back too soon? No, I think he was having troubles with torts right from the get-go. And I, again, I just think he's one of these guys that takes a while to adapt. Uh, if memory serves, I think it took him a while to figure out who he was going to be paired with until it worked out with Sanheim, right? Um, mm -hmm. So now it's not a guarantee he's going to be with Sanheim anymore. So now he's got to play towards the system. All of a sudden he may be playing, you know, on a different pairing. All of a sudden he's playing a different way. He's not going to just pick it up instantly. And I don't know, again, this is where I think Torts has to have a little bit longer leash and say, this guy's important to our future. So I've got to make sure he can do this rather than, well, if he can't do it, he's just not going to play. Yeah, I go back and forth on it because Risto seems like the kind of guy that might push to come back too soon because he wants to prove himself and create a space for himself in this lineup, knowing how flexible Torts is or knowing how quick Torts is to pull the trigger on somebody. He wants to establish himself, but there's no evidence to suggest it. So I can't say that for sure. But the only thing uh, yeah. I could add to it is when I think it was Torts that said he's like being physical at the wrong times. It's still not helping the end of plays. Like that's a whole philosophy that now you're asking a guy to change. So that's why I don't think it's injury related. I think it's all upstairs, all in his mind. Yeah, that's fair. I think that that is part of the problem with Risto, that he goes for the hit, but does it get you anywhere? Right. He not doesn't necessarily the get the puck. Right. Or there, he doesn't have the support to get the puck that's once the other he makes thing. the hit. Right. Now, that's where his teammates could really help him because a lot of times Risto does make great hits, but there has to be someone else around there for the puck too. It's not all on him. Yeah, I think that communication is a big part of that, that if he's, mm -hmm. he, he's going to play like that, he needs to make sure his D partner or the center is there to pick up the puck and, and right. take it and actually make the play. If Risto himself can't make that play, that's fine. We just need to know that and have somebody else there to do it. Right? Now, you're, now you're asking Nick Sealer to make that play. Well, that's a whole other <laughs> ball game. That's another show. That's another yes. show. 
that's a whole other show. All right. Oh, I was talking about Kiefer Bellows earlier uh, in the, this show. Here's another good question. Does Kiefer Bellows crack the lineup again anytime soon and for who? He should be cracking the lineup every game. He should be in rotation with Zach McEwen and other players like that because in the end, if Kiefer Bellows is going right, he could replace Zach McEwen. Yeah, I think so. You know, despite the fact that Zach McEwen has been playing really well, and I mm-hmm. think that's probably why they're reticent to take him out of the game. Mm-hmm. But you have to make room for Bellows. You picked him up off waivers. It seems like you know Sedlak, who they also picked up off waivers, has solidified a spot. Whether you think it's right or wrong, he has, and and is less likely to come out. Yeah, he's not going point. anywhere. Torts likes him, but I just look at it this way, and it's not like I'm picking on McEwen, but um, Bellows is a better shooter. He's very physical. Skating's about the same. Maybe you want to give McEwen a little edge in skating. That's fine. So, like, he really can replace him and add more offense if things are right. But he's going to have to get comfortable with this team to do it. That is the big part of it for me, is that if you don't have him in on a regular basis, you know, it's one thing if you have somebody who went through camp with the team and, you know, they're taking him in and out of the lineup uh, because they're rotating people, but there's a familiarity there. Kiefer Bellows doesn't have that familiarity and didn't go through camp and preseason and all of that with this team. And so you have to give him a little bit of uh, an advantage here to get the best out of his play. And so I would hope to see him back in just again to see what we have here with him, but uh, on a little yep. bit more of a consistent basis. And then if he's not working out, he's not working out. You know, right. I'm not advocating that he is the solution here i'm just saying that you got to figure it out yeah all right last question this one is just kind of a fun one from our good friend jd over at locked on ducks and uh, he wants to know who our favorite new york city marathon runner was and of course it is jd it is who completed the New York city marathon. Congratulations. Really congrats to him. It's an amazing thing. I mean, I could never do it. Me either. I uh, watched him run by near my apartment uh, because the route goes uh, nearby for me. And man, just looking at all these people run like kudos to every single person who started, even if you didn't even finish the marathon, just wake it up in the morning to do it is an accomplishment. Yeah, getting on that Staten Island ferry and uh, and starting the run is is a big deal. Yeah, you don't know if it's going to rain. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good job, JD. Uh, finished real strong and super happy for him. And although, I although secretly, him. I was just going to say, secretly, I always wanted to be like either ending a race or even softball game in one of those uh, metallic blankets. You know, I always wanted one of those wrapped around oh, me to kind yeah. of see what it's like. They didn't have them this year because it was too warm. Uh, yeah, they had different kinds of blankets uh, that weren't the heat okay. ones like that. But anyway, uh, congrats again to JD. You can catch him over on Locked On Ducks. Wrapping with our Flyers fun thing. Of course, it's the Cooperalls. I'm obsessed. And uh, of course, uh, we got to see them in warmups mm-hmm. in the game against St. Louis. And I will be a huge fan for eternity. Yeah, you just can't play in them. Well. That is true. (laughs) That is true. All right. We are going to be back again tomorrow with a preview of that matchup against Columbus and a prospect profile. 
As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. If you want your question answered on the show, like we did today, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on our YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and their take of the day. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.